This is Boat Crew RPG with Not All That Glitters. Everyone walks a couple blocks back through the snow. The wolf doesn't seem to care, even in his human form, about the coldness and just assumes everyone is going to follow him as he starts walking right back to the railroad station, only a couple blocks away. Looks to the three of you, four of you actually. He seems to be looking to Joseph more than the rest of you and says, now getting on the train will be pretty easy. I'm not sure 100% on what their security will be. I'm hoping it's just clumsy, normal, mundane things. We can overpower them, maybe quote that Harrison Ford movie and say, no ticket, makes a tossing gesture, and let them figure a way out of the snow while we wait for the next station. How hard can a bunch of spoiled, rich pansies wearing tuxedos be to deal with after all? You just, you just had to say that. You just had to. Great. Now everything just became 10 times harder just because you said that. You know that. Also, maybe you are a big tough guy, but in case you hadn't noticed, we are not. I do have a plan, though. It won't include tossing as many people off the train, though I might just leave that up to you. Um, But we have plans. Well, I won't say I'm all ears, but I certainly will be using mine right now. What are your plans? What do you think you can offer here to help us with this? And then afterwards, we can negotiate on who gets to try to destroy the item. Maybe do something classic and fun for it, like a game of cards. Winner takes all. Anne rolls with her eyes. Because the, did he just, just suggest to play a bunch, a, a game of cards for... The ring? Did he really just want to play a game of cards with a bunch of mages that might or might not try to influence that game of cards? Later, worry. Um, And then she goes, well, all I'm saying is that I can reveal some shocking truths to the person actually carrying the ring as long as I can get close to them. And she taps her umbrella. All right. And I can certainly deal with most things that would get in the way of getting close. But we don't want to do something that would be too obviously supernatural. I suppose that you have no greater desire to leave behind obvious evidence than I do, which is why I simply suggested. He gestures once more, mining, tossing them off the train, the cold shoulder. No, we don't intend to leave behind any traces. And in my opinion, uh, tossing people off the train would also be considered leaving a trace. But not a supernatural one. It's not as though I would be shredding them and leaving behind some kind of a gory nightmare scene that all of you folk, I'm certain, would be expecting me to do. Given that you're associating with my little brother there and don't seem to be acting like traditional shaman types there's only a very short list of other possibilities that that makes you and none of you stink of the destroyer 
thank you for the compliment of not smelling bad, I, I guess. Anyway, we have a, if I, if I check the schedule, she, she's just looking over some train routes at the station. If I'm checking the schedule, right, I have, we have a way to get us all out of here, around here. And she's pointing at the station uh, of, I've got the town already, but the town where the dwarf was supposed to meet them. We have a way to get out of this entire mess over there. So if we leave the train over there, so one station before the station that the that the artifact is going to, we can cross lanes and just go to that station and all get out alive. That's another thing that we offer you. I do certainly enjoy the possibility of all of us getting out of this unscathed. It'd be a glorious story of our creativity and ingenuity i'm certain i understand that you want to know all the ins and outs of our plan i i I do i really do but the fact that you haven't ripped us apart just yet grants you a grants us a little bit of faith in you but until until that ring is out of the hands of currently in and we have managed to do to it what we want to do i am not entirely putting my trust in anyone except for the team that we arrived with. I hope you understand. We both have a lot of reasons to be cautious. However, he flexes his fingers a little bit. I'm certain none of us are considering any kind of reneging on anything we agree on. I'm a person of my word. I don't plan on screwing anyone over. If you're telling me the truth and your intentions are pure, then we're going to get along just fine. I know we're all strangers here and there's really no reason for you to trust us or for us to trust you, but I hope that during our collaborative period together, we can work on that trust because at the end of the day, the ring's got to go and we can't be fighting against each other to try to make that happen. On that, we all agree. So it's going to be most of the distance between here and Sargon's we probably want to strike as close to the transfer station as possible. I have a feeling that given how much money they're tossing around, they're going to rent out an entire private car. They might have rented out one in advance with the intent of winning this one. And given how many powerful folk were making outlandish offers at the museum, I'm hoping that no one tries to stop them in the streets between the museum and the station and betting that there's going to be at least one more interested party on the train, if not more. Well, the good thing is you can walk through the worlds and she'll hold out Joseph and say, and we have eyes and ears everywhere yet completely unnoticed. I think gathering information and finding our best plan of attack is not going to be as difficult as we think. The difficult part is going to be taking the ring without violence. Why without violence? Don't you know? We can't take the ring by force. If we do, the curse falls on us. He grimaces. He grimaces big. Telling a werewolf that they can't use violence is like telling a millennial they can't use electronics. You just took away a really big toolkit. You didn't know that? Aurelia's rubbing her temples. 
I knew that a thousand years ago, the want of this thing tore apart several of our packs, and we managed to get it to go to sleep with great sacrifice. I was unaware that violence helped it. Yeah, Maddie's eyes go wide as saucers because she's kind of wondering now how things would have ended had she not dropped that little nugget of knowledge. And she says, we can't, we can't even pry it out of someone's hands unless the ring is, you know, given willingly or, you know, someone puts it down and we pick it up. Uh, We really are in (laughs) for a little bit of a pickle. So we can't strong arm this. We have to use our brains. That's why I hate wizards. Also, can can I backtrack for like two sentences? Um, what kind of sacrifice were you planning to do for this ritual this time? Well, I was going to be getting the help of a rather powerful spirit who likely was going to require some measure of my own strength in return. That was something I was willing to do. Now that I'm hearing more ways in which strength is not enough is one of our list of challenges. At least it means I would have better bargaining chips left over afterwards with that spirit rather than not having spent myself in such a manner first. Had you survived spending yourself in such a manner first? And she kind of reaches over and gives Vincent a strong double pat on his the center of his chest and says, you can't use the power of your muscles the strength of your muscles, but you can certainly use the strength of your mind. And if there's anything you're kind or really good at, is slipping by unnoticed. We need your stealth. We need your flexibility. We need your ability to plan. The muscles, they can take a backseat. Well, let's assume that I'm no longer going against people who are completely easy to just push over under the circumstances. We'll assume that normal threats won't work on them or even threats won't work on them. What we can do is certainly create a big enough commotion that it pulls away a lot of the security from that car, especially if there's something strange and troublesome going on in one of the other cars. Well, what do you think about that? if we get a few, pull some cash together and start buying drinks for everyone in the cars near that car? See if we can get them having a bit of a entertaining and distracted ride. Especially if they start having their own conflicts, that might be a good starting distraction. Maddie will kind of point at herself and then point at Aurelia and say, "Uh, you're looking at broke people here, but if it's a distraction you want, and she kind of gestures up and down on Aurelia like she's the prime specimen. It's like, we do have methods of causing a bit of a scene. Aurelia. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Joseph looked over you. You got a good trick that you can do here. Like your one woman rave. I didn't catch that. What? Like your one woman rave. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, I can make distracting lights. That's correct. I don't know what's a good distraction or not. You humans are all weird. Bright things, loud things, isn't that what's distracting? You know how to do both of those. I don't want to do things that smell weird because I got a better sense of smell than you. The werewolf just kind of rolls his eyes 
like, uh, oh, great. Of course, that's what the mouse would suggest kind of expression. <laughs> Bright and loud things, since we don't have the option of having big things compared to humans. Well, yeah, I guess I can make a distraction. All right, then, well, let's just get our tickets, try to figure out what car we can't be on so as close to it as possible, and work from there. Can't be that hard to figure out. Just look for security. In fact, everyone who wants to try and figure out where to go versus not go. Aim. If anyone has things like larceny of perception plus larceny roll would be a great way to figure out where the security is strongest and work from there. Aurelia, looking at you here. I know you got that skill. I was anyone looking who has for a it. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who has a similar skill or a suggestion for what they would want to use to try and determine advantageous places to get yourselves on the train. Let's hear them now. Let's pull out some rolls. Everyone can work towards it. So perception and larceny? Yep. And since that's such a well-suited skill for this, let's go with six for you. And if someone has something that they want to try and work with that's not quite as well, it might be a seven. I'm thinking either wits and etiquettes or intelligence and etiquettes to get a feel of where people clearly are not supposed to be. All right. That'll be a seven because it's a little more subtle, but I still think it's a good combination. Do tents count before they are uh, being destroyed by ones or not? I like to be generous and stuff, but unfortunately, the one starts from the highest number and works its way yeah. down. Okay, fair. So we don't get a reroll on that, but you still have one success. One success is going to give you a rough idea of it's one of probably one of the back three cars in the train because they seem to be a little more protective of those ones are trying to suggest that it, it might be it's just higher price tickets on some of them. Maybe at least one of them is cut out completely. And right before them is the dining car of this one. It's not always a dining car on these. It's not the longest ride. It's only like a three, four hour train ride, but still got a dining car. I got three successes. That's beautiful. All right. You are certain that they've got two more first class cars right behind the dining car. And then the caboose, the last car on this train is actually a private car that they've paid extra to attach to the train itself from you're looking around for the assignments and all that you notice the paint a little different design on it it's a little different talk to a couple of people things like that Aurelia had picked up on the security differences and behavior differences but you were able to like really zoom in on the correct information so if you guys get first class tickets you could be beside it basically but they probably wouldn't let you in and they still were going to be a little more suspicious even of those first class cars in all likelihood. They can be. That's not the problem. The main problem I'm thinking of is, is there an internal access to that train card or do you need to go via the outside of the train? Uh, um, for just pure operations reasons, you can see that the train cars are all hooked up to be able to you know go from door to door, car to car. In all likelihood, it wouldn't have been considered safe and allowed by the railroad for them not to do it that way. They have those wonderful flexible gaps between them with the rubber tunneling to keep the wind from going through and all of that. 
Well, that is great because at least that provides us some access and we don't have to go fight a roof. No, only if you want to. And Madeline, any kind of investigation you're doing in advance since they've been investigating on where to get you guys tickets, where to get yourselves set up. I don't really think I have the skill set for any of that. And you are able, and is able to afford to get you guys tickets though. Though, you know, it's more money than she wanted to have to spend to get you near the back of the train, but this is important. I'm going to fill in a declaration for the dwarf so that I can get that money back. That's fine. Save your receipts. Get reimbursement. This is your corporate vision now. I mean, yes, exactly. All right. Tickets are purchased. You guys get yourselves on and try to make sure that you're comfortable before the train is boarding. Finished boarding, you know. I'm guessing someone's going to be stationed by the window, keeping an eye out the whole time on the platform. It actually isn't terribly long till you realize both that you can't board for all the common people (laughs) in the back, you know, to get between even the first class car and the private car. They're only letting the VIPs there, but you're able to watch as a little while later, a large group of about five or six different individuals in suits, including the cyborg that you'd spotted before, make their way into the back car of the train via that private check-in there. And you guys were all specifically looking for that. So, I mean, it's not something that's even role necessary there. It's too obvious. But I will, however, let whoever is on lookout make a perception and alertness roll against uh, difficulty seven. Who's on the lookout? Because I don't think it's me. <laughs> and you got to do good on this one because I just rolled four on that stealth check. Oh, okay. So you said perception and alertness? Yeah. Maddie would have a decent shot at that. She's got four in perception and two in alertness. Uh, does Anne have something like that? More than one of you can yep. be looking. It's pretty easy for more than one person to sit by the windows. You just said whoever was assigned the lookout. Whoever can be plural. I can't uh, win this six, one. Uh, Anne has six dice in this, so she definitely can. All right. So this is going to be tying or beating. So anyone who gets more than four. She doesn't. She doesn't. She has three. So close. So close. And you said difficulty seven, right? Difficulty seven. You're looking for someone who's not too obvious, but not, you know, you're looking for people in a mostly empty train station on the later end of a blizzard. Catch me outside. How about that? Yeah. Look at that. (laughs) Five. Okay. Awesome. You spot someone that no one else happens to see. You see Karen and she does not happen to be with the other group. She goes off into the main part of the train where she's getting in. Oh, great. Uh, She's going to feel her breath kind of catch at her throat when she sees her. And she's going to bow her head, you know, try to remain as unseen as possible and blend in while she, you know, mentally tells Joseph that she sees Karen. And then she leans in towards Anne and Aurelia and says, I'm afraid we have a Karen situation on board, but. She's not with the regular crew. She seems to be doing her own thing right now. Ah, shit. Do we want to intercept her? Well, she already knows what we look like. If she's looking around and she sees us, we're going to be in trouble right out the gate. 
Well, I am pretty good at getting lost in crowds. Well, you will be fine. Ella will be fine. Joseph will be fine. I dress like literally every hobo in the world. And then she's going to kind of clear her throat <clears throat> and look towards Aurelia and, and say, we have to blend in. We have to be unseen. Karen is coming. Should I handle Karen then? You are going to handle Karen? I mean, at this point, it's personal. I fucked up her glasses. As amusing as that would sound, don't you think that's going to put everyone here, including, you know, that mage-killing cyborg on high alert? Okay, I guess the other option is for me to be in the bathroom stall for two hours. But how would we communicate with you in the bathroom? I pulled out my smartphone. <laughs> Which to Maddie is just like a foreign concept. And she pulls out her flip phone as if like, what do you mean? What is the phone going to do? I'm not going to call you. So that she just hands you Joseph and says, take Joseph with you just in case. Stay hidden. Anne and I will stay hidden under no circumstances. Are we going to rely on violence, right? I'm not planning on it. So the werewolf says, sorry, Vincent, we don't know he's a Vincent now. Who's Karen? Mage killer extraordinaire, royal pain in the ass. And she very, very softly points towards, you know, the Karen haircut and says, she's bad news. And there's an android that usually roams with her. And that guy's bad news to anything supernatural. And her name is Karen. Is this some kind of an American thing? Or is this just not translating well to me? Well, and she looks kind of awkwardly because she's not good at this whole social thing. Uh, a Karen in the United States is someone who asks for the manager and kind of makes a scene when a scene is not necessary. Basically, a big old pain in your tush. Oh, one of those. Okay. Sorry. I learned English later than some people. So you won't get to make yourselves comfortable. Are you going to have somebody go up the train through the dining car to be on the lookout for Karen? Or are you just going to try and enjoy your first class digs and hope nothing goes sideways for now? It would be smart to send the werewolf ahead because he can smell Karen coming a mile away. If he knew what she smelled like. So Motor oil. <laughs> <laughs> Capacitor fluid. Bitterness. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if Maddie... The tears of a thousand Starbucks and employees. Oh my gosh, yes. The tears of the retail staff. Um, well, if Maddie points her out, can't he like single out her smell and lock her in? Question mark. In theory, he could recognize her scent if he got close to her. But just very briefly, think about how smell works. He'd have to get close enough to know it was her smell and just not the smell of someone around her. I guess and it just gave werewolves more props than apparently they're worth. Well, think about this. Three different people buy the same perfume and you're after one of them. Whoops. I have a wild idea. Since I have really high entropy, can I detect uh, that she has reduced entropy around her to make all of her technology work? That is so smart that I love it. You are thinking mage. 
I'm certain that you could use entropy to be able to determine somebody who's mucking around with probabilities. And How would I be doing that? Is it fair that I'm like hidden in either a um, like private area behind a door in um, in the cart or that I'm hiding in the bathroom stall, whatever, and notice her walking by? All right. So you're thinking about, let's just make sure we get this straight, heading down the train and then activating these perceptions either in advance or when you get down there to notice for the way that fate is messed up by somebody who has the ability to manipulate it and assuming that she's manipulating things with entropy as well? Yeah, I guess basically that. All right. So it probably would have the same kind of range as your senses, plus or minus a little bit, because you don't have any correspondence magic to try to you know extend yourself beyond what you can sense normally. But with your senses, we're going to assume all five of them, not just what you can see, but if she would be within range of your hearing, it would be able to work. If she would be in range of your smell, we're going to leave out taste and touch at this moment because I don't think they're too useful here, but... I'm going to lick her entropy. <laughs> yes. It tastes like madness. Like highly, highly organized madness. It tastes like Borg. Yes, you could turn on that kind of a sense in advance and head down the train to try and detect her. I mean, depending on what you guys wanted to encourage Ella to do, Ella could be left in a different train car to send some kind of a signal back as well. But Ella's also really useful for your plan on trying to infiltrate the caboose. Yeah, I'd rather keep Ella close for now uh, and use her later to... to uh get the ring though and could also blend into crowds but i think for now sending aurelia together with joseph should do the trick in case uh, our little karen problem becomes a bigger karen problem all right so far at least karen has not been spotted in the vip section that alone is a good start on the other hand we don't know anything about what she is doing in the rest of the train or even if she's just scoping it out before making use of her own first class ticket vincent looks across the three of you sighs and says none of you really are planning on walking down the train to look for her right now are you uh i mean i kind of am <laughs> oh good i felt like waiting here anyway stretches his legs out stretch Peg's a big giant. I'm taking up way too much space, but I don't care because I'm in first class kind of stretch. Completely ignoring anybody who was stuck near his seat's sense of space and personal boundaries. And then settles back in. We got a couple hours before we could really act anyway. Okay, if push comes to shove and I'm going to lean into him, you're my boyfriend for today. Don't think too much of it. He smiles rakishly. Really, but I don't usually have a girlfriend for just the day. Maybe just the That's night. okay. I don't <laughs> mind that you're gay, but just for today. <laughs> he sighs. Fine. All right. Well, well, dear, if you want to take a look around and see if there's anything entertaining, I'll keep your seat warm. Unless you need an escort. Aurelia instantly regrets this decision, but it's probably going to be useful in the future. So are you going to check it out solo then, Aurelia? Or are you going to actually have take him as your 
friend along the train. Um, I think I'm going to leave him here, um, put on my noise-canceling headphones and listen for entropy noise and head for the bathroom or maybe even the um, the dining cart if I don't get interrupted anytime soon. All right. This is a nice train. Each of the cars has its own small bathroom at the end of it. And then the dining car is two cars down. Remember, you in the last three cars, the very last one was a private car. Then there were two first-class cars, then the dining car, then the rest of the train. So am I moving away from the interesting parts when I'm going to the dining car? You are moving away from your target, but towards Karen. Fair. That's... Uh... There's multiple things of interest that are going on at once. I can't let this be too easy. All right, let's have an arete roll just so you can get your entropy senses up nice and strong. Difficulty is four because you're just working with perception magic. Yay! I've been rolling so poorly that I'm thinking I will use a point of quintessence. I lower the difficulty to three just out of paranoia. Oh my, I've actually turned you into true mage players. Paranoia everywhere. <laughs> well, two successes. Oh no, uh, four successes when the difficulty is three. Four successes. Very good. You have both a pretty strong level of detection going on, and we're just going to assume that we're putting enough of them towards the duration as well, that this spell isn't going to wink out quickly. Brilliant. It's got her headphones on. Heads down to the dining car, and you're going to have a perception and awareness to spot interesting and odd things that are messing with fate, probability, and all of that at a difficulty four, because you've got the good magic going. And I'm using willpower on that. Again, four successes. Difficulty was four. You got two successes. Yeah, uh, my bad. (laughs) It's okay. Difficulty four is still pretty good. You just, the dice are not as close of a friend of yours as they should be today. All right. So in the first VIP car that you guys were already in, as you turned on your senses, got the noise-canceling headphones in, you can definitely detect that there's this strange sense of static and disquiet I think is the best way of putting it coming from the private car at the end of the train. You knew that caboose would be interesting at best, but it is certainly a little nerve wracking to feel it. That strange feeling that everyone had gotten when they examined the ring before feels like somebody has tilted the volume up a couple notches. It's getting closer to waking up would be the best way to put it. And once it wakes up, people will probably start really having conflict around it. The bidding arguments can't have helped. They were already starting to play into that devastating aura of greed that you were aware of from the initial inspection. And the fact that King's ransoms in the past have been lower than what was paid for this thing can't help either. Walking into the next VIP car, it's relatively calm. If you more people, business suits, comfortable, nothing horrible. <clears throat> a couple of the people in suits, however, do look off. They tint as way too high on the entropy spectrum for you. 
like they are somehow destructive in and of themselves or tied closely to it from more of a mundane glance. They look like what you would expect to see from a well-appointed mafia enforcer would be the best way I could put it. Very much the lion among gazelle kind of way of sitting around, but they don't have the same wildness to them that you feel from the werewolf when you left Vincent. Moving onwards, the dining car is lightly packed. Still, a lot of people didn't want to travel in this blizzard. You can hear one or two people, even through your noise-canceling headphones, you can hear something that sounds like somebody grumbling about a canceled flight so loudly that you'd think they didn't have any manners. And you can see down towards the far end of the dining car, it's like all the little mundane chaoses have been forced into a perfect mechanical order around the woman sitting there. Karen is right there. There might be some name she has besides Karen, but she is the quintessential Karen to you still. She is sipping what looks like a remarkably fruity drink and eating some kind of a wrap as the train has left the station. Seems like it's just been prepared for her. And she looks like she is very contemplatively focused on her smartphone. Still, even at at night, even in the train, she is wearing her tinted sunglasses. She has fixed them up. Oh, it's nighttime. That's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Yes, the, the auction started a little after sundown. Right, I recall now. Yep. So before I go down the dining cart, I assume there's like a bathroom nearby that I can probably... Let's just say that this time it happens to be on the near end of the car instead of the far end of the car. There are, there's one on one end of each car. Okay. But not on both ends. So I'm going to uh, hide in the bathroom real quick. Um, and I'm going to quietly communicate to Joseph so that he can relay that I believe that there are several probably vampires on the train as guards and that Karen is uh, having her, I don't know, tempeh quinoa wrap and staring at her smartphone and she's still got those unfashionable stupid glasses on. Uh, And actually, you said you were going to be using your phone to talk, to message them? No, I was going to talk to Joseph, who I brought with me to communicate with um, Madeline. Sorry, I'll to Joseph. I got you. Okay. And, sorry, Maddie, you get everything related by Joseph. We're not going to have me telephone this too much. That would get silly for all of us. And you can pass it back as verbatim as you want to Anne and Vincent. And uh, Maddie's going to just lean in towards Anne and Vincent and say, Leech is on board. He raises an eyebrow. This could be very troubling if you say that you want no violence. They can mess with many things and are very good at their own specialized kinds of violence. We don't want to mess with the person who has the ring. Whatever you do to the people around the ring is a different conversation altogether. But whoever holds the ring can't be harmed any in any way, can't be forced to give the ring. However, their bodyguards, well, they're expendable. He nods to that one. This I can do. And they're over the other way, further from the target. 
I suspect that they may be presenting themselves there to keep anyone from the regular part of the train from traveling this way unnoticed. They do look basically like a human, well, not human, but a standing security system. So I think you're right. You know, that could come in handy because that does limit the amount of people that we have to deal with here. On the other hand, we have Cyborg, Karen, Leeches, you know. I think uh, I'm, I've had enough of complications. Yeah, same. We're running short on time, so I really think we need to stop looking and make our move. You are about half an hour out from the station. You've been not rushing, so you wouldn't cause too much attention. You've got two hours until you hit your transfer station, and then it's about another half hour from there to your destination. So you got room to be flexible, but also room for surprises. Well, I'd rather not wait till the last minute to pull the rabbit out of the hat and get fucked in the process. And then we, you know, either get kicked off the train, miss everything. Yeah, it's it's going to be a giant clusterfuck. But on the other hand, if we do it too far out from our switch, they are going to know where we're going. I just feel that the werewolf is going to have to powerhouse us from, to some specific individuals and throw them off the train, maybe like 20 minutes before the stop so that we have just enough time to get to our destination, make the switch while we still have backup, but also kind of throw them off the scent that, you know, kind of give them the illusion of they're going to get away with it because they're so close, but not so close that we're scrambling at the last minute. I agree, but waiting for an hour until we are at the uh, at our target station would give us slightly more time, uh, but not put us in a position where we have to wait for an hour with the ring already in our possession. Two hours. You got two hours right now. Yeah, that is if we get the ring right now, right this second, but that takes some time still. So yeah, no, calculating I'm, I'm that assume... in would mean <laughs> that if we get it right now, that we still have. So we're between an hour and half an hour that we have the ring and cannot go anywhere and have to protect it against everything that wants to get it. Right. That's what I mean. I What I was trying to say is that there's like this sweet spot where we're not too close to the station, where we risk just one mistake costing us everything yeah. or too far out, letting them know exactly who we are, what we're capable of, and then having them call back up and raid this train. But in the meantime, I feel that rather than keep looking around for things that are just going to keep magically appearing and making it rougher on us, we should like really cement what we're actually going to do. So there's the person holding the ring. How are we going to get it out of their hands without the use of violence? Everybody else, we can just, you know, have the werewolf strong arm, you know, kick a vampire out. For, for God's sakes, I'm pretty sure Joseph could bite some ankles if needed, but we need to come up with the actual plan of getting the ring without using force. So one of the things that we could do, I agree with you, by the way, but one of the things that we could do, because I've been struggling to find how we are going to create a distraction, um, is to have a very localized either rain or snowstorm. You're in a snowstorm. Yeah, so 
it wouldn't be extremely weird if a snowstorm all of a sudden happened inside of the train cart. Not this one, but the next one over. Oh, like if a window suddenly broke. Oh, yeah, or uh, just somebody opening her umbrella. Yeah. Forces 3 lets you cause smaller things. Forces 4 is where you start having weather effects normally. Yeah, except that Ella can create rain or snow. Yes, she can. As one of her charms. Storyteller forgot this detail. (laughs) So that could be a distraction. You could have a very, very localized weather abnormality. Uh, Maybe not in this train cart because, you know, that might be a little bit too close. But close enough that it would draw some attention. Part of it, we have to figure out who's going to react to what. If we have a weather event happening on the opposite end of the train... I think some people will go investigate that, but some people will see that as a sign of trouble and huddle closer to the person holding the ring. So it's a matter of proximity. We definitely need the cyborg off our trail and preferably Karen off our trail. So if we could distract those two entities, I think we have a higher probability of success. At the end of the day, a vampire is still limited to certain things. And if there's anything that a werewolf loves to do is fighting a vampire. Vincent shrugs and then nods a little bit at that one. Like, you know, I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to (laughs) argue. So So that part of the stories is right. All the other parts of the stories is wrong, but that part of the stories turned out to be right. Wild. Yeah. I, I know the producer for Underworld. We wanted to give ourselves a slightly better reputation. Though, of course, someone decided to flip who was the stars and who wasn't from our original suggested screenwriting. Okay, so aim for the distraction to be be near Cyborg slash Karen to get them over there and away from the ring. The vampires will likely huddle around what they want, which is the ring, especially if any of them are Ventrues. They're definitely going to huddle around that ring. And I'm pretty sure, given the option of Karen and Cyborg versus vampires. I'm going to go team leech as to who I want to kick. And as far as getting the ring handed to us, is there any way Ella can persuade the person holding the ring to, I don't know, just give it to us? It really depends on the person. She, she's able to make people in, or they are able to make people insane, but the insanity is all up to the person themselves. If the person themselves thinks that is the most insane thing they would ever do, then yes. If the most insane thing is to be a clown, then that is what they will be. But they will be have a bigger, well, they will have a bigger chance of dropping the thing that they are actually holding on to. So what if Aurelia works with Ella and maybe she can sort of shape Ella's gift in a way? So that when Ella induces the madness in the ring holder, Aurelia can do something to kind of direct that and increase the probability of it being something we want. So something like maybe control the chaos or the madness so that they see the ring box as something they fear and just want to throw in the air or something of that nature. Is that something that we could do given what Aurelia's powers are? This point, Vincent says, um, which one is Ella anyway? You keep mentioning Ella. How many people are around us in the cart? 
Uh, there are, there's a couple down at the far end of the car who are, you know, quietly sitting there enjoying a newspaper and what looks like some coffee. I think they're, you could even think that they're doing like the crossword or Sudoku together on it. Looks like just a sweet older couple. I don't trust sweet old couples anymore. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm doubting that. Ella can hold her enthusiasm at being asked for by somebody she's never met before, or they've never met before. And they have been being very, very good for a very, very long time. And they've not been able to show off their wonderful outfit for hours now. <laughs> and it's really pushing Ella's uh Ella's uh, strength like self what what's that called self-control so Ella is sitting there as looking almost like a regular umbrella starting to vibrate and Vincent looks down at the vibrating umbrella and says your umbrella shakes and the handle becomes a foot the handle oh, God, no. against the ground goes right back to full foot mode with the sock and everything. And she kind of curls up the edges of, uh, of herself a little bit to show off how much sock is there and how beautiful it is today and how she got the most colorful one of all. And then says in this quiet voice, as quiet as she can manage to keep herself right now, something very excited in Japanese, which probably involves I have the best outfit for the heist. You should all be so jealous of me. That's the kind of vibe you get. But only Anne even has a rough idea of what she tends to mean. Everyone else is just a little bit lost, but she's excited and happy. And then it's like, oh, right. And then shakes herself. She, Sorry, they shake herself back into umbrella mode and <laughs> tries to sit there still again. But they were excited. And there's a little bit of shaking left over. Yes, yes, yes. Vince is just staring. You are are the most gorgeous. You have the most gorgeous socks of us all. Yep. Thank you for calming down again. I know I'm asking a lot of you. Ella, Vincent, this is Ella. It's a pleasure to meet you, he says with a very odd mix of certainty and uncertainty that is outside his previous constant confidence over everything. Ella's food manifests again, does a quick wave, and then turns into a normal hook of an umbrella again. Oh, right. So how do we want to handle? How soon do we want to cause any trouble, or do we have a feeling that trouble will cause itself first? I think that depends on how long we wait. Um, preferably I would get Aurelia back here because currently we are split up and that's that's inconvenient. But I would like to create some sort of barrier between us and all the rest of the fuckery on this train. So basically, exactly where Aurelia is right now. Storyteller will make a suggestion because I know that you haven't maged as much as you could. Anne has foreign matter. Anne could probably seal the door after Aurelia comes back to not open anymore. Ooh, yes. Okay, right. Yes. Uh, okay. You have a lot of tools in your toolbox, and don't <laughs> forget about them. Thanks. 
Hey, um, Maddie, can you tell uh, can can you tell Joseph that that I will meet them uh, halfway? I think I think that that wall idea that I just had might just come to fruition, and then we are don't have to deal with uh, vampires and uh, Karen or the cyborg at least for a little bit because I think most most things cannot travel through metal instantly. Well, the cyborg is in the the VIP of Caboose. Karen isn't, though, so... Fair. So we still have to deal with the cyborg, but at least we don't have to deal with Karen, and we don't have to deal with uh, bloodsuckers, and we don't have to deal with mafioso or whatever else is in those cards. Maddie's going to just say to Joseph to have Aurelia move out, not cause a, a distraction, just blend in as much as possible, and meet Anne. I will have one stealth roll from Aurelia to be ignored by Karen. We'll call this one a seven again because she is not completely unvigilant. Dex stealth? Dex stealth, unless you have a different combination that makes even more sense. Yeah, I can't win this one. (laughs) No, it's really close, though. You almost tied her. She's got one more success than you because, unfortunately, in the act of being observant, she does have a bit of advantage. All she has to do is watch. You have to avoid being noticed. And as you get out of the bathroom door and close it quietly behind you, you hear a click of the door latch because, let's be fair, they do that on trains, just like on airplanes. None of them are silent. And you take a quick glance back and forth, make sure that you didn't get her attention, and get think that that head is tilted a bit more your way and a bit less towards her phone. Do you continue making your way out like nothing happened? Or do you acknowledge that she looked in your direction a little bit? Uh, I'm going to walk over. Oh, hi, Karen. Is that you? Long time no see. And I'm going to hide Joseph in my, my oversized jacket pocket. You doing saying that in English, by the way, to her? Or... Uh, what was uh, her nationality, presumably, again? I talked to her briefly, but I don't recall. Last time you used German with her. Okay, then I'm uh, going to use German. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, she actually spoke German with an Italian accent, just because Europe is messy that way. And she said, you must have me mistaken. My name's Sophia. Right. Uh, sorry, I must have confused you with someone else at the conference. Um, I'm going to grab a beer. Do you want anything? She looks at her fruity drink, looks back at you. I'm good. Thank you. You notice that her eyes have never completely left her drink. She, when it, Even when she's scrolling with her phone, she has her other hand half over it, like she's had too many bad experiences at a bar before or something kind of behavior. So I'm going to uh, get like a can of beer um, and sit down uh, in her booth or at her desk. I can't hear you. <laughs> she'll, she'll look across at you, take a small sip or a drink and say, I thought you would have left in a way that I wouldn't be running into you again. Far more softly, now that your slightly more visible introductions have happened or reintroductions. Uh, I'm traveling across the country with my boyfriend now. Well, very nice. I hope you have a relaxing trip. Keep yourselves out of trouble. 
so I was wondering how's how's business going? Well, you know how it is. It's never quite what you expect or according to plan. But a savvy woman always adapts to her situation. Are you planning on some sightseeing or just the two of you finding a nice hotel? Um, I'm planning on, uh, you know, the usual uh, union busting. It's kind of our thing. Well, I can understand if you've had some problems with negotiating your syndicated contracts. But frankly, I'm a little more organized than that. I'm well-ordered. And if Aurelia wants to make a intelligence and politics, oh, you don't have politics. Intelligence and enigmas, because I do think that you should have at least some training that has to do with this kind of thing. No, no. Oh, you got subterfuge. Okay, sorry. An intelligence and subterfuge. I'm not going to change my mind anymore. Roll, I think, would be your best bet to get all of her subtext. Difficulty six, because she's being pretty generous with it. All right, that's pretty good. You got multiple successes. So you're very briefly reminded that the technocracy has multiple groups in it, just like the traditions. The syndicate tends to be their one that is most focused on things that involve money, business, stuff like that, like bankers, salesmen, financiers, all that stuff. But the New World Order tends to be a lot more about media and information and disinformation. She just decided it was polite to let you know that there were multiple factions at play here within the technocracy instead of everyone being completely lock in step. Mm, yeah, um, interesting. I think those are the reasons I try to stay away from all of this. And Maddie, Joseph is relaying all of this back to you as well. So you are not, you know, in trouble. <laughs> um, so one more question. Um, I got the feeling that there's a lot of, uh, you know, hmm, manpower around. And I just wanted to let you know that it would be unwise to make any brash moves. Well, as you might recall from my polite warning earlier, I'm nothing if not discreet in my activities. I have absolutely no reason to be unkind to anyone who's not causing trouble. I am willing to live and let live in general right now. I have bigger fish to fry. See, the thing is, the problem that I have is I believe your plan contradicts that. And the object two or three cards down is not of the live and let live variety. Well, I certainly have access to storehouses that could safely eliminate certain problems if you're that paranoid. You should really leave this up to the people in charge instead of stepping in and stepping on toes. I'm going to pat her on the shoulder and uh, just say, I don't believe in hierarchy of power, you know, that's kind of our thing. She takes one more sip and says, well, perhaps we may end up in conflict after all, even if our goals are not completely unaligned. Takes one more sip and says, have a nice evening. Bye, Karen.
you're sure that there's a bit of a glare behind those glasses as you walk off. All right. You head back past the really uncomfortable gentleman. Uh, if you want a perception and alertness to get a bigger, better view at them as you walk by, we can do that. Uh, now, a what, perception, what uh, perception and streetwise, actually. That's looking good. <laughs> that is looking good. You are pretty sure by the way that their suits are on them and so on like that, they, they are in fact packing heat. They have somehow gotten some small caliber weaponry snuck in through the normal European security around that kind of thing existing commonly on trains and in public areas. So they are playing for keeps. You can note on your way back to everyone else. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.